So Acts 27, verses 27 through to 44. The shipwreck. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found the water was 40 meters deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 30 meters deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that had held the lifeboat, and they let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. And then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they let them in the sea. They left them in the sea and at that same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. And then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and from escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Thanks be to God for this reading of his word. I'm going to invite George to to come up and share with us his interpretation of that passage. Um, And we're just going to pray for pray with him just now before um, before he does that all right George heavenly father thank you for George thank you for the blessing that he and his family are to this church lord thank you for bringing him here lord today to share your word lord thank you that you have put eternity within us and I pray that you would just be speaking to us through George today. That you would, yeah, be just bringing your truth, Lord, and your, what you want us to hear, Lord, and ready our hearts to hear it. Thank you for the blessing of this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. 
it's, it's very difficult to preach to a Baptist church when you're a Pentecostal minister. Pentecostals are like popcorn. We pop. When we feel the heat, we pop. Anything we say, hallelujah, hallelujah. And when the pastor will say, God is going to bless you, we say, hallelujah. The Baptists are different. The someone can be very hot, but they're quiet. I understand you're like groundnuts. When you get heated, we just feel the aroma and the change of color. Any? I really want to thank God. I'm excited to be here and to speak to us. I'm very excited, but I'm also nervous. I'm excited because this country has produced some of the best preachers. F.F. Bruce, John Stott, amazing, amazing preachers. And I'm excited, but I'm also nervous. I'm nervous that may I, will I be able to deliver the word of God the way God wants me to do? Will it be able to reach out to the audience the way God wants? I don't know. I'm nervous. But before I do anything, allow me to do some acknowledgement. I first of all would like to acknowledge the leadership of this church for giving me an opportunity to share the word of God. You know, I, I was afraid that because of my hair, they may not allow me to preach. <laughs> I was afraid because of my style, you know. You know, I want to reach out to young people. So I was thinking about, you know, tone jeans, you know, tone jeans, baggy shirt. You know, when you walk with a style, I, I thought that will affect me being given an opportunity to preach. But I want to appreciate the leadership of the church for just accepting me and allowing me to share the word of God. I also like to accept the members, of, to appreciate the members of this church who have loved me, you've shown me love. I can't, if I mention one of you, I've been dead of mentioning so many of you. You understand? All of you amazing people. Amazing. Thank you for your love. I also want to thank God for friends from Newcastle who are here. I don't know if they can show their hands. You're not a member of this church, but we asked you to come, and you came. Thank you very much. We asked so many people to come, and they're right here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm also blessed to, my wife is here. Thank you. My wife, would you stand up and just wave, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now, Pentecostal preachers normally say, this is the most beautiful woman in the universe, in the cosmos. That's the most beautiful woman. Well, how do you preach everlasting gospel in 25 minutes? I don't know, but I'll try. We want to talk about going through the storm. Going through the storm. We have personal storm, we have family storms, and we have national storms. But what, how can you talk about going through the storm? Maybe you're here and you're going through your own storm. Let me share with a storm I went through when I, was, when I was younger. I had an opportunity of going to preach to Mombasa. It's a part of our country, down coast. I was in Nairobi. I was so excited. I'm serving the Lord. Pentecostal, young Pentecostal charismatic minister. I'm excited. Jumped into the bus, you know, paid my fare. We're about to go to Mombasa to preach. And then the bus filled up. We're on our way to Mombasa. Now, the bus, the bus driver was a bit reckless. It was about Easter. A lot of money. People are moving up and down. A lot of money. So the, he wanted to go, come back, you know, pick people. So it was just, he was driving recklessly. Some of you have been to Kenya. I know Clive is looking at me like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
has been to Kenya. I know Bodil has been to Kenya. Janet has been, Jeremy has been to Kenya. And probably some of you have been to Kenya. And so we, were, we had passed Machakos town, and the bus was about to overtake our whole traffic. There was a, a truck, a train, uh, sorry, a truck, a few cars, and another truck, and we were about to overtake. We hit the middle of the jam, and another truck was coming. It was at night on the other side. And it flashed the lights once, twice. Our bus driver slowed down. He slowed down nothing. He decided to hit a personal car. It fell on the other side. The bus overturned. I was in the bus. I didn't know this. I was being told later. I was in the bus. I was tweeting about Manchester United. I don't know which team we had punished for something. And I was so excited. The bus hit the, the car, fell on the other side of the road on its side. I hit the the, 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 the upper part of the bus the only thing I could remember was blood coming out of my nose and then finally we got out I lost my phone, I lost my bag by God's grace we found we were taken to Machakos District Hospital I remember my lips were swollen, were so big as if I'd swallowed a soap Soap, so big, I couldn't talk if I was talking <laughs> talk with the side of my, my lip I was drinking tea with a straw I went back home and I thought, I was going to preach. What happened? I was going to preach. What happened? Lord, what happened? Some people were hurt badly. It was a storm for me. It was very difficult. I could not imagine that I was going to preach God's word and I had an accident. That was not the first accident. That was not the only accident that happened that time. I was in other accidents when I was going to preach. But by God's grace, I was saved and I'm here to share it. We are looking at Acts 29, Acts 29, written by, uh, written by Dr. Luke. When you begin in the, the, the beginning of the chapter, just to give us context of what we are talking about, we see that it was decided that Paul was going to Italy. His case was not going to be handled in Jerusalem, but it's going to be handled in Italy. I'm sure Paul was, think, Paul, Paul was a thinking man. Just like probably me and you. And these people were not able to handle the case of Jesus. I don't think they can handle my case. This, I, I don't trust them. Have you ever been in a, such a situation? Oh, God bless you, Baptist Church. <laughs> yeah, all right, okay. At least one Pentecostal brother. So Paul, Paul didn't trust them that they could handle his case. And because he was a Roman citizen, he decided, now let my case be handled in Rome. And so, and so it was decided that Paul was going to go to Rome. And it was not just Paul. Paul was with the other prisoners, and they were put under a man by the name Julius, a Roman centurion. And it was not just Paul, but there was also another follower of Paul called Aristarchus. And Dr. Luke was with them. And you can see that there's a number of people who are mentioned here. When I looked at this, I was so amazed. And I started to think about why did God mention Paul and also mention Julius. And it's sort of, sort of something we can be able to learn. That in church, most churches, you can find these two groups of people. There are a number of, when you look at a profile of a church, you may find so many people. But you'll find people who are probably in the leadership, people who are rich, and people who have means in churches. And you'll also find people like Paul, people who want to serve God. 
And I've always wondered, why, how come people who really want to serve God don't have money, don't have means? People who really want to serve God. I'm talking about people who are dedicated, you know, like, like Paul. It could, there could be different other pictures, but then like Paul, they really want to serve God, but no money. But then we have somebody else, like, say, Julius, is here, and we're given a picture of Julius. And when you look at them, they are very different, but we can try and do a comparison. Julius has a job, a nice job. He's assured of paycheck. You know, he's everything, everything for him is going on well. Look at Paul. Paul doesn't know even where he's going to go next. He's not assured of salary at the end of the month, but God has called him to serve. If you were to ask me if these were ministers, who is going to preach in a church like this? I will tell you, oh, please bring Julius. He's well organized. He has a nice suit. He has a nice boot. He looks cute. You understand? Please, please bring Julius. But instead of putting these people against one another, God allows them to work together. Work together. And that becomes a blessing. It becomes a blessing. Then the Bible continues to tell us about about something very important that God chooses Paul as a main character in this movie. And why Paul? Why Paul? We are, I mean, people like Julius, we already know their beginning. It's already structured. We know probably how their life is going to go. But why Paul? Why would God choose something that was probably shameless to be used as a blessing to the world? Very important. Why Paul? We see Paul was working as a Pharisee, was dedicated into persecuting the church. You know, Paul would meet us. If we were worshiping back in the day in Jerusalem, Paul would come and find us and take us out and kill us. He had what we call license to kill. Oh, you've watched the movie, ain't it? I'm alone, I'm alone in here. License to kill. He had a letter from the Sanhedrin to go and find people of the way and go and persecute them. And so we find Paul, we find Paul right now as a Pharisee going out there seeking for people of the way to persecute them. And so this is the Paul we are talking about. But on the way to Damascus, he meets Jesus in a vision. And then Jesus talks to him and says, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus gives him a burden to go and reach out to the lost, reach out to the Gentiles. While Peter was supposed to reach out to the, Jew, to the Jews, Paul had a burden, a strong burden to reach out to the Gentiles. And so a good picture of Paul, a good picture of Paul, A, good, a very good picture of Paul. He gets converted. He becomes an apostle. He starts to establish churches. A church in Rome. A church in Ephesus. A church in Corinth. Uh, he he reaches out. He starts planting churches. He becomes a miracle worker. Some, some, something that we debate about. A miracle still happening. How do you know a man of God? How do you know a woman of God? How do you know somebody that serves God? We find that in Paul. Paul goes to a city and finds out a young lady that is being used for divination. You know, people of the world, people who have other spirits can be able to spoke about your life, can say how probably, probably two years from now, what's going to happen. They may not give you an exact picture, but they may try to predict. But then we find Paul looking at that woman who predicts and says, these are the men of God. And what does Paul do? 
Paul rebukes the spirit out of this woman and they turn the city upside down. And so we see miracle in the life of Paul. We see miracle in the lives of other disciples. And as a sign of God using Paul. And so we see, so why Paul? We also see why Paul? Because Paul becomes a significant person in the history of the church. While we've been understanding the history of the church, that we are supposed to follow the laws of Moses, Paul comes in and points to Jesus and said, we are saved by grace. He becomes a different picture altogether and said, we are saved by grace. And that's the reason why the Jews don't like him. That is why he is being arrested. That is why he has a case. Not because he was there when Stephen was being killed. Not because he was there when Stephen he had been commissioned to go and see the killing of Stephen. No. But he is arrested. He is taken to court. He's been there for two years. He's been under King Agrippa. Now he's being taken to Rome. Why? Because he was preaching, we are saved by, by faith. Are we together? Are we together? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll get there, okay? <laughs> we'll get there. So, we see that Paul is in a journey. After looking at who, after looking at who is Paul, after looking at why Paul, we see Paul is in a journey. A journey from Jerusalem. He's taken to Caesarea. He's put in a boat at, with his friends. I was wondering why Julius was so kind to Paul. He puts him with his friend. He has Dr. Luke with him. He has, he has this man from Macedonia, Aristarchus, and he has all other friends. Uh, uh, Julius allows him to go and see his friends when he reaches Sidon. And we see a very good picture of what God can be able to do when people collaborate together to serve God. We see a very good picture of what God is able to do. And so Paul travels in the, in the sea with the, all these people. The Bible talks about, about 276 people together with Paul as they travel to Sidon. They go to and they reach Myra. When they reach Myra, they have to change into another boat from Alexandria. When they reach Myra and they change a boat, Paul looks at them and says, please, let, let us not move on. Let us remain here. This is the time of Yom Kippur. You know, day of atonement. Time of atonement. Let us not move. But they do not listen to Paul. Because Paul is looking at it and looking at the situation and saying, when we go over there, we're going to lose our ship. We're going to lose the cargo in the ship. And we are going to be in danger. Because the journey is going to be disastrous. But they don't... They, Rome, they, sorry, Julius does not listen to Paul and listen to the captain and the owner of the ship. And they decide to move on. Okay? When they move on because the wind was good, the wind, after a few minutes, after, sorry, after a few, a few, say, hours, the wind becomes disastrous. And the ship starts to move from one side to the other side. I can imagine. And we also see, sorry, 
we also see that there is a storm. The storm is there for seven, 14 days. There's a storm for 14 days. There is no sun. There is no star for 14 days. And they are in trouble. They cannot find, they cannot find their way. You may be here and you're in a storm. A storm where you can't see the sun. You can't see the star. And it is very challenging for you. And you're asking, what should I do? I will ask you, is there a word from God over your life? Has God ever spoken something over your life that will make you know that even though I go through this storm, God will be with me? They say the storm was so hard that they had to take away the cargo of the ship and throw it in the sea. And when they throw it in the sea, Paul looks at they, they stay without eating. And Paul looks at them and says, you, uh, you had better listen to me. Listen to what he says. In the storm, if you look at from verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken advice and not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared your lives and the damage loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, the angel of, the, of God, whom I, or the angel of, of the God whom, whose I am, I am, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage and men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul stands up and he encourages people and says, please be, take food and eat. Don't be afraid. God has spoken to me that we, will, we, may, we may lose a ship, but no one is, gonna, is going to die. We are going to reach to the other end. And so it is very important that we get a word when we are going through a storm. That we get a word that will be able to speak to us when you are going through something. When the country is going through something, we need a word from God that will be able to speak to us, even in the darkest of times. And so what happens? We go to the text that we've read. They, they, approach, they approach a land and they have a shipwreck. And those who can swim are allowed to swim. And those who can hang on the board, they hang on the board and they reach to the other, the other end. When I look at this text, I see three storms. One storm, I see the, the storm in a country. 276 men. Some are prisoners, some are owners of the boat, and some are leaders, of, leaders like Julius. I see a country. A country like Britain, a country like Kenya may go through a storm, but is there a word for that very country? When, when I was in Kenya, we were praying for our country. We were crying out for our country, and God spoke that Kenya will be a springboard of revival across the world. But one time, when I was preaching in a youth meeting, we had just finished our election. I think it was 2007. We just finished our election. I just finished, we just, you know, fin I finished preaching. Election has been announced, contested election. And I had to jump in my to go to the city. When I went to the city, it was deserted. Police were everywhere. I remember one of the, 
senior police officer came and found us. We were waiting for, because they were not public transport, we were just waiting for whoever would come and help us to move to another place. The senior police officer came and said, please, I do not want to see anybody in town. Finally, I got, a, I got transport, I went to, to my aunt's place, and there was a problem all over the, the country. Houses were burning, people were burning. I started to ask God, God, we prayed over our country. Is there a word for our country? He still said, this country will be a springboard of revival. When you are going through economic storm right now, is there a word? We've gone through COVID over, all over the world. Is there a word? The storm number two I see is I see family storms. There are families that are going through storms. It could be, it could be financial storm. It could be maybe divorce. It could be separation. It could be weird, weird, wayward children. Children that are disturbing their parents. Is there a word for that family? Is there a word for that family? Is, what is God speaking to a family like that? The Bible is very clear. God says he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. If you're going through a storm as a family, if you're going through a storm in your place of work, there are jobs that are, they don't know if they're going to survive. Businesses are going down. They don't know if they're going to survive. God is speaking and he's saying, is there a word for your job? I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Can I get an amen? Amen. I am trying, please, please, just say. <laughs> Hallelujah. I haven't preached for a long time, and I'm really struggling. Encourage me, just say amen. amen. Something that looks like a joke, just laugh. I'll go home and tell my wife I am a, I'm a very funny man, okay? Is there a message for your place of work? There's a reason why God has put you in your place of work. I remember I was working somewhere and I was not cursing. People were wondering, I'm not looking at women. Women are passing. They were beautiful women. Yeah, beautiful women. Even one of the person I was working with thought I was weird. How come you don't look at women you know, when you're passing? And know some of you women, God bless you. God really bless you. A woman would be passing, you, you think she's dancing. She's walking, you know. She's walking, and she's walking, and she's passing. And you think she's dancing. And my friend was looking at me if I look around. And I was not looking around. It's not, it's not that I was not noticing. It's not, it's not that I'm abnormal. It's that I love God. It would be unfair for me just to look at the woman passing. And, you know, you understand what I'm talking about. And in that place, we started talking about God. We were started arguing. They say, there's only one God. I told them there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And everybody was asking me questions about God. Why? Because God has put me in that family for a reason. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? amen. You may be a grandmother, but God has put you in that family for a reason. You may be a grandfather, but God may have put you in that family for a reason. That when people are going through a storm and they have no answer, you can be able to stand up and say, my God said this. The verse says this. The word of God says this. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Let me finish by talking about personal storm. I don't have time to speak about everlasting gospel. But let me, let me say this about personal storm. I've already talked about me going through an accident. I went through an accident. That was not the only accident. I've gone through a lot of difficult times in my life. God called me. I had an opportunity to go and study in another country, and my scholarship collapsed 
in a, just a day before I traveled. And I was feeling very low. I asked God, God, what's wrong with me? I wanted to go out there, study, come back, and become an engineer. Hallelujah. Engineers in the house. Any engineers in the house? I wanted to become an engineer. I wanted to become like Julius. I didn't want to become like my father. My father was a pastor, and he didn't have a lot of money. God bless him. And I didn't want to be that. If you're, if you're a minister here and your child is looking at you and you don't have a lot of wealth and a lot of influence, your child doesn't want to be like that. I remember my son asking me, Dad, I want to come to your office. Hallelujah. Mm, one day I'll get an office. Because I'd gone to my wife's office, a big office. My wife has got a big office with a sofa set, a nice sofa set. And my son said, now after that, I want to, Daddy, I want to come to your office. And, I'm, and I'm, God bless me for being a carer. Hallelujah. Uh, carers, we need offices. Hallelujah. He <laughs> said, I want to come to your office. And so I was going through a difficult moment. The scholarship had failed. I turned to God and asked God, what do you have for me? I went to church for the last time. I said, God, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I was very young. don't want to talk to you. Three days, I'm not showering. I'm not doing anything. The scholarship had failed. But this time I showered, I went to church. When I went to church, they said there's an opportunity to go to minister in a school in Machakos, St. Valentine Machakos. I had an oppo- we, had, we got into a van, a team of us, we went for a whole three days, weekend challenge. When I was there, I would sleep at night on a Friday night, I can remember, and I turned like this at night, I saw something like an angel. I turned like this, I saw something like an angel. And then I went to the person organizing and I said, please, can you allow me to speak tonight, Friday night? He said, oh, you're not part of the program. But somebody intervened and said, let him minister tonight. And I ministered Acts 27. I was not a preacher. I don't gone even to Bible school. And I stood up and I preached that day in the power of God. To be honest with you, I'm a child of a pastor. I don't like fa- I've seen fakeness in church. I've seen people who speak in tongues, but it is fake. Have you ever seen a fake tongue? Have you ever heard of a fake tongue in the Pentecostal movement? Have you ever heard of a fake tongue? Somebody will say, we'll talk about bicycle, 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 bicycle. <laughs> career, 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 bicycle, hey, bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. Now, well, maybe it is true to them, I don't know. But because I didn't want to, I'd seen so many fakes in church as a child of a pastor, I don't want to be fake. But I want to tell you, on that day, the power of God fell in that school. People were being slain under the power of God. Disappointed. I was telling God, I don't want to serve you. I want to be an engineer. I want to be rich. I want to help the church, those who are preaching, and provide money to them. But the power of God fell in that school. I'm telling you, Demons were living students, just like in the Bible. Oh, that means time is up, isn't it? <laughs> Demons were living students. And when we came out of that school, the academic standards of the school change, the moral standards of the school change, and the reputation of the school changed because what God had ministered to the school. What is the word of God for me when I go through storm? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you came forth, I consecrated you. I set you apart as a prophet unto the nations. 
God also spoke to me about Psalms chapter 40, verse 1 to 3. I waited patiently upon the Lord, and he inclined to me. He heard my cry. He removed me out of a horrible pit. He has put my feet upon the rock. He has given me a new song and praise unto the Lord. Many will see and fear and put their trust in God. That's the word for me. When you're going through a storm, do you have a word from God? I'd like to ask my wife to come and pray. Thank you very much for listening to me. I was a little bit nervous. Next time I'm going to do better if, if they give me an opportunity. I was a little bit nervous. What do I say to a Baptist church? But next time I'm going to do better. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. God bless you. George likes to ambush me. I didn't know about this. But <laughs> um, let's pray. Um, thank you, God, for your word this morning, for the opportunity to listen to your word. Um, and also, when we leave this building, for the opportunity to reflect on it and to apply it on our lives. We thank you for George, for being a vessel of your word today. We thank you for every member of the congregation today. And we pray that whatever storms they are passing through in their lives, in their family, and also in the nation and in the world at the moment, world affairs, world politics are quite scary at the moment. But we pray for a word in our personal lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.